DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Ryan Smith, majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and he now has a minority stake in Rouse Salt Lake as well. Ryan, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? How's <laughs> Well, you bought another team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this stuff works, but we end up... Uh, we, uh, man... Like, the world's a crazy place because we originally started kind of down this road in sports with RSL and and talking to Millers ended up, you know, going into the, the jazz. And it all came through RSL. And then a year later, you know, I'm talking with Blitz and he's like, hey, this is, uh, this is a good opportunity and I'm a soccer guy. Let's go do this. We'd love to have you involved. And it... You know, I think the original thesis of RSL was right. It was just in the wrong order. Yeah, for sure. We had, you know, we had heard of your interest in in this, so it didn't come as a surprise to us that you got involved. I'm wondering, when you go into these ventures, how much research do you do before you absolutely say, okay, yes, this is the right thing to do? I mean, first of all, it's like, I think that, and and it's it's hard to understand this, but, you know, sports is a long-term commitment, right? You know, these sports franchises, they're, you know, no one gets, I mean, at least from on on the ownership side, no one's getting a paycheck, right? And I think, I think there's probably a perception out there that these, these create a bunch of, you know, instant wealth or this or that. Um, It's really about the community. And if this MLS team was not in Utah, there'd be no chance that we would have a, a part of it. And, you know, when we did the jazz, I was super fortunate to put together a couple people who don't live in Utah, who are all in on Utah. They love Utah. And it's pretty amazing that when we have an opportunity like this, you know, everyone on the jazz side basically unanimously was like, we're all in on soccer. Even though there's probably two or two of them that will never go to a soccer game or be there and willing to commit because of the broader vision and the good they see in Utah. And that's, that's special. And that's what allow us to, to go in and do this. And so um, you do a bunch of research. I mean, you got to be familiar with it, but, you know, both the Jazz and RSL, like I'm a fan first, right? And so it's kind of a unique spot to be in. I'm also a sponsor first, which is also another unique spot to be in. And so I, I think that it helps a lot. Different owners probably handle it differently. Maybe different owners, the ones who own multiple teams, handle it differently with each club, I, w- I would assume. But I'm curious how you parcel out your time. Uh, you're married. We all know relationships take time, effort, yeah. and energy. And you got kids. And if we raise kids, we know they take time, energy, and, and focus and all that. You got a company to run. You got a team to run. You got other things you're interested in. We've heard you on social and political issues. Like, how much time do you put into the jazz in an average week? And how much time do you think you're going to put into RSL in an average week? And how much of the research PK talks about was business? And how much of the re- research was personal because you got all these other things to focus on, too? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people are trying try to figure that out. I mean, that's been a question that you're always trying to figure out how to balance, um, you know, and reinventing yourself. I think we all do that. Um, you know, and, and I think first and foremost, no one's perfect, right? So I'm not perfect at all. And, um, 
you know, time allocation is hard because it creeps up on you. Like you, you say, Hey, this is how much time I'm going to go put into something. And then you look at your calendar and I used to run this exercise for like 10 years where it's like, where did I actually spend time versus where I thought I spent time? And then you're super surprised that, Oh my word, I spent 20 hours this week on this and I wasn't planning on it. And we all, we all kind of do that. Um, when it comes to sports though, um, let's just break it down with like RSL first. So I hope in, in, I said this yesterday, it's like, we are so incredibly fortunate as a state of Utah, that David Blitzer planted his MLS flag here. Like I cannot be more direct on that. There's only two soccer franchises in the world that have a portfolio like David does. And it's Man City, and it's what David's put together with six European teams, including Crystal Palace and Osberg and, um, you know, team in Belgium, team in Spain, and now Salt Lake. So, so first, just, you know, someone where it's a natural fit for MLS saying, hey, look, I want to do it here. And then we're also maybe one of – we're, we're, we're one of a couple cities that has two professional sports franchises, mainly MLS and basketball. I mean, I think of Portland and Orlando, but we're the only one where they're tied together now with one ownership. And that is also a massive advantage. David's team is going to operate soccer. So let's talk from a time standpoint. I'm here to help, um, regardless of ownership structure or anything else. It would be crazy to not um, want that group operating soccer. And, you know, I'm here to help. The Jazz I'm more involved with. And so I think that that's, that's kind of how I think through it. But, you know, um, you know, the NBA has been a crazy place the last couple of years. And, you know, but in both areas, it's like we hire phenomenal people who – would do a way better job than I would and, and try to empower them. And I think that you, you've seen that with the jazz with both Jay-Z and Ainge coming in. Um, and then, you know, we're so incredibly blessed to have Quinn. Um, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty phenomenal organization. And so I just try to help where I can and, and try to not, not mess it up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You say that, because of the location of the of Salt Lake City, you know that was your interest in RSL. So it basically, it had to be in Salt Lake City. Did it have to be this owner also too that you wanted to partner with? A hundred percent, and that that was that was one of the reasons why. I mean, Blitz called me and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about this. If you're in, I'm in." And and that's really how it happened. And and then we started talking. It started getting much more exciting. Um, from from that standpoint, um, so it's it, I think I think it's a it's a good move. I mean, this is in its short time, RSL is, has become a storied franchise, and um, there's a lot of respect around the league for what the. I mean, look, going to the Western Conference playoffs this last year, and um, you know, winning a championship. It's 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 been it's been an interesting um, and with the academy and everything that they've done. Um, I feel like I've been fortunate to try to kind of take stewardship over two amazing franchises and, and try to take them to the next level. And, and that's how sports works. 
there are people in the organization who have seen synergy between these two teams for uh, for at least a decade. Now, there have been people along the way who didn't see it all, and there was one meeting famously where I think some you know somebody got laughed out of the room for even suggesting it back when the team was worth ten or fifteen percent of what it's worth now. Uh, and I've heard all kinds of speculation about how good this can be for the business side of both these clubs and the, the synergy, the amount of um, money and resources it could free up in selling sponsorships, selling tickets, food and beverage, uh, luxury. I mean, there's a whole list of stuff. How much of that stuff is overblown and how much of that stuff do you see and, and see that as what you bring to the table? Um, you know, it's a good question. I think that there's definitely massive synergy. You don't, I mean, anyone can sit there and think through the synergies. And first of all, let's just, let's not talk financial or business side. Let's just talk community side. Every jazz fan should be an RSL fan and vice versa, right? They both have different fan groups. You know, I, I, I've gone around, God, the last two years and ask anyone anywhere, like, who's your NBA team? They say no. It's like I'm sending you a jazz shirt. Like, you're ours. <laughs> like, will you be a jazz fan? <laughs> yeah. Right? We have so many people that have relocated to Utah, and it should be part of their welcome packet. Here's your jazz sticker. Here's your RSL sticker. Come on. We're choosing your teams. Here it is. And they love it. They love being a part of something. And so I think from a community standpoint, um, that's the first thing that gets me excited is hey, there's there's a little bit of different seasoning going on. Um, it's it's a break. RSL is not playing as many games, um, and I think I think there's been a little bit of a I don't know if it's a scarcity mentality, but you know I'll just give you one touch point. I mean we played on New Year's Day here against the Warriors, and you know I, we were pretty sold out. I mean the place was electric. But that exact same time, we probably had 50,000 fans down at the Road Bowl, right? And, and if you just think where Utah's come, that's, that's pretty special. And so I think that there's a lot of synergies at being able to have these two organizations tied. And, I mean, they're different organizations. We kept them completely independent. Um, we do that on purpose. I think they'll both operate way better. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard. I mean, from, from jerseys and swag to, you know, food contracts. And there, there's a lot. There's a lot that can be done on the business side. And, but, but I'm much more excited about just the connection with the community and some of the things that are working well on both sides. And, and just getting the community involved in sports because in a world where, Kyle, it feels like everything's just dividing us, um, you know, especially during COVID and other things. Like, people can go watch sports and, and forget about life for a while. And we all can agree on something as a community. And it, that's why I'm doing this, um, truly is. I mean, I want to win, and I'm super competitive. And, you know, there's nothing I want more than championships for Utah. And if I can help try to bring that, then – it's it's definitely worth it, but along the way we we've got to get our community involved, and I love where the jazz is going with that and how we're reaching out and 
Um, you know, we started the Jazz Foundation, which is the one that's doing the scholarships. And, um, you know, the Jazz have always had that spot in the community. So, I'm wondering for you, how much of a challenge is it to balance being an owner so you have to be fiscally responsible and all that type of stuff versus being a fan where you want the team to win and you may have connections to individuals that you may have to part with? Um. Look, the NBA, for example, is is a really unique spot right now. I would say over the last five years, the NBA looks very different than it's ever looked. You know, if you look at the ownership groups in the NBA, these these owners are not messing around. Um, if I look at the peer group out there, whether it's Balmer, it's Cuban, um, you know, I can just go group by group. Um, what you saw in Milwaukee, um, you know, it's not just a couple of ownership groups. Um, Brooklyn with Josai, they're they're in it to win it. And you know, you've got you've got two teams this year that are further over the salary cap than all, and then the luxury tax than every team combined last year, which is crazy. Um, you know, with with Brooklyn and and you know the the Warriors. And so I think I think the ultimate goal is that we we really truly try to win and take this to the next level. And the Jazz are such a stable organization. I mean, um, and and we want that stability, but it's also very very difficult to go from you know good to great, right? And you know a, a lot of the reason for um, you know I mean wanting to tap Danny is because he's an individual that's been able to do that and he's at a point in his career where there's not a lot of ego and he just wants to come in and help and he's here and um you know you got one of the best basketball minds in the world who's had one of the most stable franchises and has more playoff wins than than anyone the last 15 years and you know how do we get from good to great and and we're there and kind of never you never know like no one would have predicted what happened last year in the playoffs and you know i like our guys i like our spot and it's um we're pretty fortunate um pretty fortunate to be a sports fan in utah right now ryan smith joining us jazz majority owner and now he has a minority stake in rail salt lake as well uh, there were a lot of owners who took a big hit during COVID. Live events took a big hit. Do you feel like, and, and you probably know more because I think the commissioners and the owners have access to a lot of information, do you feel like that you're at the tail end of that right now? Do you feel like you're in the middle of it and financially you're still going to be battling this going forward? What do you, what do you think? Man, it's. I feel like every time we feel like we're – we're turning a corner. Um, this happens, and it's it's a hard year for hard couple of years for for just so many people, and there's so much suffering that's been going on. But um, you know, I think we're learning as a as a society to kind of try to work through this. And you know, I I, I love the idea of having people together. I mean, when we came out. You know, there's, I mean, we see the backlash when we say, hey, you've got to be vaccinated, you've got to be tested in the arena, and COVID's over. And then here we are today, right? Where we've got players who are testing positive, 
we're, we're up in Toronto tonight where the entire city shut down and I'm just grateful for our fan base and our community for trying to do their part in keeping it open because, you know, we can very, very easily be in a spot where we don't have live events and that's just not good or sustainable for anyone. And so I think, um, you know, I appreciate Utah for, for kind of leaning in and, and trying to help get through it because it's, it's unprecedented. I mean, no one's been through this before and you know, it's hard and there's a lot that a lot of people don't understand. And so I think we're all just kind of leaning in together. And I think what Adam Silver just came out and did and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have to learn to play through this, whether it's 10 day contracts or whatever else, like the show's going to go on. Um, whereas, you know, and we were part of, I mean, we shut down the world not just the NBA, but the Utah Jazz. Like, that was the tipping point to say, hey, look, we're in, we're in Oklahoma City, and, and um, everything kind of, oh, wow, this is serious. So we're taking a different approach, um, and, and fortunately um, we've been able to do it. But health and safety are our first priority, and, and it's challenging, man. And it, it, it takes a toll on everyone. I mean, I would say the last two years in the NBA are – are equivalent to five years <laughs> and, and, you know, coaching players, like it's hard. It is hard. And, you know, the travel, not knowing who's playing, not knowing, you know, testing, landing in a city at two in the morning. And instead of going to bed, it's, you know, wake up at six and test so you can get your test back. It's, it, it's a grind and it, and it truly has taken a toll on mental health and everything else. And, so everyone's just trying to get through it. I think the biggest surprise for me, Ryan, is why aren't you in Maui with Tony? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's uh, it's Caddy Mark's got to get back on the bag and get a little rhythm with him, <laughs> right? Like we want we want everyone to to feel good about where they stand. <laughs> but he, uh, look, I hope uh, we had a good little run there, man. I mean, on Saturday <laughs> it, 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 in uh, the Bahamas, like, we we got it going. That course is just super tough. The wind started coming, and Tony hit the ball so good. And, you know, it was – we had some serious warning track power that week <laughs> where we – where. Where it was, it was going, and even on even on Sunday on the weekend, like we we had a good chance to do it. But it was uh, what an amazing experience. There's not a better human than Tony Finau. Um, you know, we played a lot of golf together. I've I've been in tournament play next to him, and you know, he called me and was just like, "Hey, I need you." And I was like, "All right," uh, but I had no idea that we'd be racing into contention on Saturday. I was just trying to not lose clubs, and I mean, the first day, I think I lost like two head covers. <laughs> and didn't break. I was just, but it was it was super funny because the next day we we actually ended up playing with Patrick Reed, and he's like, "How many strokes did Ryan cost you yesterday?" <laughs> like, man, maybe one or two. He's like, "Oh, great, my caddy's normally four or five. So I, I felt better, and you know, but it's it's crazy to be out there. Yeah, you, you basically had the Ryder Cup out there with the top twenty players in the world, and and um, the top twenty caddies in the world, and. You know, it's intimidating when you're sitting there and Bones is next to you and you're trying to, hey, will you, will you grab the bunker? Will you get yardage? But 
but Tony keeps it so cool. It's what you see is what you get. He's probably one of the most chill humans in the world. And that's why he's so good at golf. Like he just, he can shake it off. And there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons there, man. I mean, on Sunday we played with Scotty Scheffler who triple bogeyed the third hole and he's talking to me like nothing happened on the way over. And then he goes and rips off nine birdies in a row and takes second of the tournament. Wow. Nine birdies in the last 16, 15 holes. I'd never seen anything like it. And it's just why attitude in sports is so important. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool. Well, you took the Bahamas, but you gave up Maui. So I guess you got to split the, uh, split that stuff down the middle, right? Hey, I just, I just go where they need me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Well, we know you got to go, so we got to let you go. I was going to say the press conference and uh, the media availability went uh, – went really well yesterday. I know when the press conference is a temporary thing and then all the other stuff comes and you made a point about it's a multi-season commitment and journey and all that. The one thing I would add is when uh, when David Blitzer said the goal is to win the MLS Cup, for a big chunk of the longtime RSL fan base, the 2011 loss in the uh, Champions League final at home is the moment they want back. And so you can tell David, as much as everybody wants the MLS Cup, and they do, that moment to be the first MLS team to be the champion of the continent yeah. and to yeah, the yeah, credibility yeah. that comes with beating a team from Mexico. It's an intense rivalry, but everybody knows there's a lot of credibility to be had. If you were the first team to do that, you'll always be the first club to do that. So I don't know if he knew that piece of history. I know he's living overseas for a while and all that, but for the people who are in that stadium, that one still stings. Yeah, was that in the last? It happened in the last a little bit, right? They, yeah, in 2011, they'd gone yeah. down there and drew, and they only needed a scoreless tie here. They gave up a goal, and they almost scored at the end, which would have bailed it out. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just pouring salt in the wound with all the details, but no, yeah, I, I mean, I was. We, we sat down with Romando and Beckerman and those guys last night, and they were. We went through the, a lot of the the ins and outs of, kind of their favorite moments, and look, I think I think uh, Blitz. Like like I said, we're super lucky, and we're 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 kind of both just about the community and in it to in it to make people proud. And you know, sports are interesting. Like you can do everything you can, and and you win or you win the championship. You can do everything you can, and it doesn't go that way. So I think the one thing that that people can expect from us is that we're going to do everything we can, and. You know, you got to look at a little bit over time, and but Blitz, Blitz is sitting there watching hockey because he's a he owns part of the Devils. While we're there, I mean, he's all in. This guy loves sports, and so we're excited. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Keep Ru- good work. Ryan Smith, majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and now he's got a minority stake in RSL as well. DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. We'll come back with the Jazz update. Jazz shorthanded tonight. Ryan talked about that a little bit and uh, our reaction to some of the things Ryan said. We will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. I really don't care what your net rating is. You know what I care about? Your wins and losses. It's the only stat that matters in basketball. And if you beat a team with a net rating of plus .01, but you win every game, and your net rating is plus .01, it's better than going 50 and 32 and having a net rating of plus 50 because when you win, you blow teams out, and when you lose, you lose by one point. Like, the wins are what matters, and that's what you've got to do. So looking at the Jazz, looking at that type of thing, having more versatility, having different ways to win more games is more beneficial than blowing out the wins that you do win. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. 
every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's time for Hot Takes or Toast. Brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res's patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that's safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-0. Or booking online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. Or if you're up north, at ZeroResDavisWeaver.com. Well, PK, we have talked sports for so long that whenever anything happens... Um, I've got stuff from you bouncing around my brain. So there were two moments yesterday talking to David Blitzer and Ryan Smith as they had uh, media availability uh, yesterday to announce the, uh, the transfer of ownership for RSL. One, and I, <laughs> I really stumbled into both of these. You ready? One, uh, I brought up the fact that you know, you're, you're raised in Jersey, you own the, the, a share of the Devils, and you own a share of the Sixers, you know, going, going to both ends of Jersey there. And now you've gone overseas to Europe, and you've got multiple clubs in Europe. England, Spain, Germany, Belgium, and I'm leaving somebody out. And now you decide to go west. And he says, well, I don't really think of myself as from anywhere. I've lived Everywhere, so he didn't really double down on Jersey the way so many people do, and I expect he he lived overseas. He's lived in multiple countries. He lived overseas, and he moved back to the U.S. about ten years ago. Uh, from something the commissioner says, I gathered he lived in England for a long time. But all the interviews these days are timed and cut off, so you have lots of questions when they end the session. And I still had lots of questions, so I didn't really get into all the places he's lived and all that. So I thought of you with the whole Jersey background, and that was his response: is he doesn't think of himself as being from anywhere. He skied in Utah for 45 years. He started coming here when he's seven, and he's 52, and he comes here pretty much every year. Yeah, and there might have been a little bit of. Uh economic difference between the way he grew up and the way I grew up. Yeah, but I, th- I find a lot of... I, I totally get that, number one. And number two, but I find that there's a lot of Jersey pride. People who are from Jersey, you know, the rest of the... And certainly New York may laugh at New Jersey, but people from Jersey, they love Jersey and they'll claim Jersey. And maybe that was him wanting to make clear that he wasn't just a Jersey guy and wasn't uh, a total outsider coming into Utah. I mean, that could be part of it, too. Well, yeah, I think they want to do that. Yeah, I'm part of you. Right. Everybody has an agenda. Yeah. See, see, like you, when Ryan had to go and you went through that job interview with him a few minutes ago, <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> you were going like way out there, soccer knowledge, that 99% of our listeners got no clue. But you wanted to let him know, hey, I'm your guy on the TV. I know this. So everyone's got an agenda. And that was impressive. Yak and I were applauding silently when you went through that. Very nice by you. You're welcome. <laughs> Yak's laughing very hard right now. PK's on remote today, so he it's can't weird. see Yak laughing. Oh, Yak I is, the text I got. Yak, Yak is shaking like a bowl full of jelly. We can, we can communicate without being in the same room, and we can see each other. And that was impressive. I mean, you were like in Mexico, then you went down to uh, Nogales, then Guadalajara, then you shot over to Costa Rica. And I did not I go mean, to Costa Rica. <laughs> Is Havana in that mix? <laughs> that was impressive, man. You had, I know you got to go, but let me tell you all I know about soccer. <laughs> oh, that wasn't all I know about soccer. <laughs> well, in a, in a three-minute span, it was, I mean, it was, it was nebulous and it, you know, had nothing to do with today, but that was, everyone's got an agenda. It had to do with yesterday. And if we, and I don't have any problem with that. You want to keep your gig doing the TV. 
So you wanted to impress him with your soccer knowledge. I think you did a hell of a job. You hit it out of the park. You, Tony had warning pack track power it with the winds in Bahamas. No, you hit it out of Dodger stadium. You just joined Willie Stargell as the only guy to hit it out of the stadium. That was somebody else just do that. Uh, I thought somebody just did that. Now I got to look that up. Go ahead. Carry on as you were. (laughs) I'll look it up while you go on this rant. You got a couple more minutes. A a rant. (laughs) Rant is what we heard yesterday. Today is truth. <laughs> so, every, yeah, sure, he wants to be here. He wants to be a part of the community. I, I, th- I really think it's a great time for what uh, Utah is about, you know, because it's exploding onto the scene. And this guy wants to come here. Now, the team was available. So, I mean, that played a large factor into it, but I get that. But, you know, the more cosmopolitan you can get, the more big time you can get, that's going to lead to more big time. And who's to say Ryan Smith obviously is a big time golfer, right? Well, if anybody could pull off a potential PGA Tour stop here, I mean, why limit yourself in what you can achieve? I say this all the time with these players like tonight. Let's look forward to these guys because basically Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles were these guys tonight. There was a right? time in their career where they were at exactly this point. Yes. Exactly. And, You're a good yeah. basketball player, but prove you belong in the NBA. Both those guys absolutely heard that. Yeah. And to an extent, I think Bogdanovich was an early second round pick. Some of that might have been being foreign. And, you know, if he would have come out today, would that be the same thing? Because there's, uh, we understand that basketball has really advanced across the world. You know, we're talking to Pace Mannion uh, last week, I think it was, and he was talking about where his son is playing over there in that league, that it's it's more physical, a lot of grabbing, a lot of holding. We think of more of a European guys as finesse. Well, Pace is telling us, no, that's not the case, right? And there's more, way more freedom of movement in the NBA than there is there. So the point being, you know, Bogdanovich probably would have been a higher draft pick. But even Gobert and Mitchell, to an extent, they they were first-round picks, but they were not expected to be what they are. I don't think they were, because if they were, they would have been drafted much higher. That stands to reason. So the, I don't want to ever put limits on what somebody can achieve. And in this case, the point I'm making is why put limits on what we as a community can achieve with these people. And Ryan is one of our own, so to speak, but Blitzer's coming in and he has some experience uh, skiing here and whatnot. And, and I'm sure, you know, that that's attracted to him. But if you can do this, you know, where does it end? Well, I don't know where it ends and I don't want to put limits on where it ends. So even if you're not a soccer fan, it's not about being a soccer fan. And, and I put the question up. You didn't want to touch it uh, yesterday on Facebook. I put the question up and you always get the, the same folks who want to rip the sport. That's not the point this time around. I don't care whether you like soccer or not. Because he, Ryan Smith said to himself that he's got some investors involved and they may never go to a game. It's not about whether they like the sport or not. It's about what this represents for the development of the community like the sport don't like the sport i don't care there's enough people who like it that it's only going to grow it's not going to go away at all it's only going to grow but this is a huge boon for the community and i think it sends a powerful message on where we as a community can go and from a sports perspective who knows because i also think too that this has residual effect down to the colleges too I mean, it, it, it just 
it's broad based. Everybody in our community can benefit from this one way or another. The question, how good is it that RSL has new owners, including jazz owner Ryan Smith? And to your point, uh, I thought they moved. I'm just not a soccer guy, Kyle says. They're still playing, Eldon says. What's an RSL? Jeff says. Uh, Robert says maybe you can put together an immediate package that'll be fan-friendly. That feels like it's about to change. I can't guarantee you 100% what it's going to be like. The people who want streaming... um, I'm talking about the companies. The companies want to do the streaming, want it exclusively... And there are some people who want to jump into that end of it in the sports world, but there are other people. Well, the NFL would be the people who are dipping their toe in it. You know, the NFL puts Thursday night on Amazon, and the Fox stuff is going to go away going forward. But they've kept the vast majority of the league on free over-the-air TV. And when in doubt, and you know, the Pac-12 is going to have to make this decision in a couple years, how to handle things, the um, uh, RSL and the Jazz... Are, are both going to have to do it. Um, RSL probably will do it as part of the league, whereas the Jazz might have a little more individual decision within the NBA and do their own thing. Uh, how you do that, what is fan-friendly, what drives the revenue and drives the cash, do you go for the most, for the fewest people who have a lot of money and you get a lot of cash that way, or do you may do what the NFL does and go really broad-based and get a little money out of everybody and make a pile of cash that way? That'll be a really interesting decision for every one of these teams and organizations to make over the next five years. And you can't tell me, with Blitzer being a, a minority owner of the 76ers, you can't tell me that somebody somewhere along the line, whether it's an agent, it's a parent, it's a player, whatever it might be, what's going on out there in Salt Lake? And how he he already has a little bit of experience, but he's going to get way more experience. There might be a recruit a basketball recruit in Philadelphia or across the border in New Jersey or down in Delaware. And Hey, what do you know about this? You know, my kid is thinking about going out there. He gives it a glowing recommendation. I mean, the the possibilities really are limitless as far as this goes. So when I heard this news and, and we all knew that Ryan Smith was going to be potentially involved, you know, we knew he was interested in buying an NBA team and we had known even before the NBA thing broke that he might have some interest because he's got the wherewithal financially. So we certainly knew. So it was no surprise to hear that he was in, but I didn't know much about Blitzer. So then you do your research on that when you hear the name and you go through and you listen to what he's got to say and you read up on him and you see all this accomplishment that I can't help but think that this is going to benefit our community in ways that we don't even know right now today. We can't even imagine what it might be five, 10 years down the line. That's the way I look at it. So I thought from that perspective, doesn't matter to me what you think of soccer at all. I thought it was huge news. I think to Ryan's point when he was on with us that, you know, the Warrior game was sold out and there was a tremendous amount of energy in the arena and around the game. And yet it's on the same day the 60,000 plus are in the Rose Bowl. And he was talking about scarcity mentality. If you didn't hear the interview with Ryan Smith, he was on earlier this hour and you can get it wherever you get podcasts. And, and you can listen. But he talked about scarcity mentality. And, and the thing is that Utah is not a mega market. You know, it's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not Chicago. But it's not a small market anyway, you know, anymore. It's, it's a medium-sized market. 
And we need to think like that, and maybe more things are possible than people would have ever visualized 20 or 40 or 60 years ago, however many generations you want to go back. But it's in a different spot now. And to the point that Ryan made that you're kind of underlining here, PK, is that as more people get involved, what do they see, what do they bring to the table, and what does that make possible? And we can't keep talking about stuff the way we talked about 30 years ago, the Jazz might leave. Well, there was a time when they were pretty close to going to Minnesota, and it could have it happened, but it didn't. You know, And Larry stepped in, and we know where the story went. And there are still people commenting on here about, oh, the team moving. Man, the money Deloitte spent on that academy down there, they're not moving. They want 20 more of those. They got one. They don't even have a second one like that. They're not walking away from that. The stadium, the academy, the local ownership, and now you mix in a guy who owns multiple sports teams in multiple leagues, multiple everything. I mean, he's across the board, basketball, hockey, soccer, multiple continents. So what's possible going forward? It's different than what was possible five years ago. Yeah, I think basically you name it and it's possible, some more possible than others. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, well, just limit it to, well, I want an NFL team. I want an NHL team. I want an uh, MLB team. It, and, and those are the obvious choices uh, out there. But I think that it can go well beyond that because you just go back 10 years and Vegas was thought of as just no way anybody's touching that. It was a minor league yeah. outpost. It was a now mi- it's hot as can be. Yeah. NHL first, the NFL, and now you got baseball and basketball looking at it. For sure. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got another round of uh, questions of the day because PK's just slapping them up there one after another. The Jazz are in a very different spot, and we will get to that coming up. DJ and PK, the shorthanded Jazz in Toronto. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. I just believe it can't be status quo for Utah because if it's status quo, USC, Oregon are going to go, they're going to blow by Utah in the next couple of years. Utah's got to get bolt. They got to get creative. They got to get outside the box. They got to get some big time recruits, bigger than what they've been getting. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. This week's Raiders game against the Chargers is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com. Slash Raiders. All right, we got multiple questions of the day going. Joe Ingles and the entire starting five minus Royce O'Neal are out for the Toronto game. What do you think about them apples? <laughs> going for movie lines there or just uh, general cliches? Oh, just throwing it out there. Okay. Matt Damon. How about them apples? Throwing the... Uh, Throwing the phone number up against the window. Great movie line. Nate says we lose firepower. Oh, <laughs> I know. Double O's. <laughs> we lose firepower, but we get to see what Spell our bench is. Your friend. You what? Spell check is your friend. Yeah, right. We lose firepower, but we get to see what our bench and two-way players might be able or not able to do with some serious minutes. We'll be intriguing to see if somebody shines. One NBA skill. That's what you need out of a bench guy. What do you do? You brought up uh, Doak earlier, rebounding, because that's the obvious one to go with, go to with him. 
you know, with somebody else, could be shooting with Royce O'Neal, you know, the ability to D somebody up, stay in front of them, whatever it is, can you bring one elite skill to the table? I think it was Locke who said this on our show years ago, or maybe when he was doing his own show. Every NBA game, somebody's going to get points. Somebody's going to get rebounds, right? Mm-hmm. In the losing teams, if you win only 20 games, you're still going to have a leading score that's going to have close to 20 points. So there's going to be some talent out on that floor. And somebody's going to score. Somebody's going to rebound. Somebody's going to assist, you know, unless it's – some abysmal game in which they score 54 points or something. And even then we'll remember this. That's the thing that I love on this game about multiple reasons is that when we get to May, when playoffs are rolling, we're going to remember this game. Whereas if they went up there and lost with the usual cast of characters or won, unless somebody did something outrageous, you know, Mitchell went for 65 or something, there's no way we would remember this game. Now we're going to remember it. This game <laughs> in a weird way has a sense of anticipation that I am going to enjoy because these guys who take the floor tonight, they're me. This is who I was. I don't think it's who I am now, but this is who I was. I was a nobody trying to make it. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. And to an extent, there was a time you were a nobody who was trying to make it. The, unless you're you know, LeBron and you're anointed from the time you're 12 or you've got a dad in the business or what have you, to a large degree, all of us at some point are nobodies trying to make it. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm out there myself. It's like, you know, all the odds were against me. But nevertheless, I can see myself in these guys. And I don't know if any of them can be a rotational player. Trent Forrest has had basically some opportunities here and there. But let's see what you got, man. Go out there and show them because there's a world out there that's going to doubt you every step of the way for whatever reason. And now you've got this opportunity. So from that perspective, some random regular season game really has my interest tonight to where, of course, I'm going to watch it. And I want to see. This is, And I don't want to... build it up like this is a make or break all or nothing opportunity but nevertheless this is an opportunity and and the great coaches in our community and we've had a number of them over the years they stay with you the stuff that they say right we can quote them even the ones who are no longer living and i'm talking about jerry sloan you know there's 29 other teams out there whatever it was we've heard him say that so many times and these guys got livings on the line here and you do something tonight and it could stick with somebody if it's not the jazz who knows where it is so this is a great opportunity and i'm actually excited about this game Tony's right there with you. Next man up. Let's see what these youngsters are made of. My guess is they all think they should be getting more time. It's time to put up. I bet they do think that. I bet they do think I could do this if I was given a chance. Now, it will be a different kind of chance because you won't be out there with three or four other starters or, you know, high-end role players. You know, you're not going to be out there, you know, Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles draws a whole defense to him because they all fear those two shooting the three, and you're in the bench group with those guys, and they get you an open shot. You know, it's it's going to be a little tougher here tonight because you're not going to have the uh, what's the word that Yak or that Yak that uh, Locke always uses uh, gravity. They're not going to have the gravity, you know, that pulls the defense to their side of the floor. But that just means it looks even more impressive when you get it done. Well, I can tell you personally, I've lost gravity a long time ago. You lost gravity? And, yeah. 
when did my upper torso become my lower torso? <laughs> 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 and for women, it's other areas <laughs> for guys. That's where it settles. Right. <laughs> so gravity, uh, gravity is not your friend as you get older, but these guys, as I said earlier, these guys were Joe Ingles. These guys were Royce O'Neill. In fact, you look at some of these guys right now, Joe Ingles was not in the NBA at their age. He didn't get to the league until he was 27 years old. That's way late in the game. I mean, not even a cup of coffee, a 10-day contract here or there. You know what I mean? Like a Sunday out of gains. No, nothing. He didn't get there until he was 27, and it was a unique set of circumstances that he got there. You know how I talk about, I just said in the last segment, you never know how something is going to turn out. Well, wasn't it with the Joe Ingles? Quinn Snyder had saw him, had seen him somewhere in Europe. Europe, yeah, yeah. And who knew that that years later, that little interaction, whatever it was, to what level? I'm not even sure that. Oh, oh they just cut him. Well, yeah, let's bring him aboard. And you know, if they were a team that was in the mix, maybe he doesn't get that shot. But at the, because Quinn Snyder would have gone to a team that was ready-made to win, sort of like maybe Steve Kerr did. Maybe they don't even take a look at Joe, but because the Jazz were in a full rebuilding mode, yeah, let's take a look at this guy and look where it is eight years later, right? So these guys, in some of our cases, are in a better situation than Joe was at the same age. So who's to say? It's improbable, but really, just the fact that they're in the NBA is improbable. Everything is improbable when you look at it, right? It's Isn't it improbable that you and I are sitting in Salt Lake City doing a radio show together for 20 years? That's improbable. Yep. <laughs> That's improbable on multiple levels. Right. That I got here, that you got here, that we did radio together, that it's lasted this long. Yeah, there's multiple yeah. things that you would bet against if you were just, you know, sitting around talking and 1980, 90, whatever. Right. It's incredible when you think about it. We've gone through multiple ownership changes. We've gone through so many supervisors that we can't even take, we couldn't even remember them all. We'd have to write them down. The two of us get together and we'd still probably miss a couple. But yet here we are, man, and we're still going. That is highly improbable. So, so much of life when you look at it is highly improbable. I realize right now I'm building this game up to be the biggest game ever. Yeah. <laughs> But it's my level. But once I saw these guys in the, that list, this list, this is a first in the history of the jazz, isn't it? I can't remember anything like this. And I don't, I don't have the whole history of the jazz. I mean, the whole eighties, a couple of years in the nineties, I would have known ladies early nineties. The jazz were on the map after that jazz Laker series. I, I would know if something like this happened. Yeah. But just go look at the, you can just call a basketball reference in the eighties. GP, games played, Mark Eaton, 82. <laughs> yeah, Thurl right. Bailey, 82. The Statues, 82. So it had to happen in the first – either it had to happen in New Orleans or it had to have happened in the first four or five years in Utah because they were on the map. Jessica says, well, let's see what the others can do. Maybe it's a test to see who they want to keep from the bench before the trade deadline. Quinn's not wasting anything. This is 48 minutes of NBA basketball. Let's, let's see who can do what, who can show flashes of doing something. Oh, yeah. Quinn Snyder's paid to win games, not to make excuses for why they can't. And he's not going to make any excuses. And he's not going to waste just sit there for 48 minutes and no. waste it either. 
And and it's not so much too exclusively, well, let's see who could possibly help us down the line. Maybe you can trade them, and maybe you can get a second-round pick that you th- you cash yeah. into with Bogdanovich was a second-round pick. There's plenty of second-round picks out there who've made the league and have made their mark in the league. So you never know where these things can go and where they can lead. So this is an opportunity that I find myself – and it's, I, I just soon have the regular guys there. No, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But in a sense, I find more intrigue into this game. And plus, I wanted them to go 17-3. and three, And since they're probably going to lose, I still get to claim 17-3. and three. That's what's great about it also. You're going to hang an asterisk on this one no matter what. Well, I, how, can you criti- how can you penalize me for it? It's not the team, right? I would have said sixteen and three if I would have known all these guys were out. We all would have. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The zone. We got more. You weighing in on this? We will get to that next. Stay with us. The Jazz, shorthanded, very shorthanded. Your reaction coming up, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The zone.